Welcome to the Renew Life Church Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Welcome to 2020. How's it going so far? How about the Cowboys fans? How's it going? <laughs> I got I to gotta, I gotta start off with something really, really serious. I, I'm telling you what, I, I believe this with all of my heart. Today, if you are in church today, there is a very unique thing, blessing going to come on your life because you chose to come to church on the last day of deer season. And so I just, you have sacrificed uh, greatly to be here with us today. But anyway, no, we're glad you're here. My name is Braden. Uh, I'm the senior pastor here. We're really glad you're here. Can we welcome all of our first-time guests? Tell them we're glad they're here with us today. <clears throat> Super glad you're here. Quick testimony. We had some, uh, I, I want to get better at doing this. I said I was going to get better at doing this than this year. And uh, my staff reminded me this morning, uh, and a quick testimony from a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago, there was a lady who uh, had a pretty significant accident or fall uh, while she was uh, undergoing chemo. She was undergoing chemo for breast cancer, and uh, and she was walking off her porch, fell, and, uh, and, and broke her leg pretty severely and was dealing with some major pain while still going through chemo. And a few weeks ago in um, worship, we were singing the song Miracles. And she said, all of a sudden, she said, I just decided to believe that God was going to do a miracle. And she said, the, all of the pain from the broken leg completely went away and hasn't had any pain since. Uh, and it's been almost a month now since that. Can we give the Lord praise for that? I love, I love to hear that God is working. And he's working right where you're at. And uh, I was talking to somebody else, and if you're dealing with any symptom, especially during communion, communion's a big part for us, a big thing for us. When you're eating that bread every single day, there's things in my own life that I have not seen the fullness of what God's promised me uh, concerning my physical body. And so every single time that I'm taking that bread, I'm declaring that I am healed. I don't need to, what I say out of my mouth does not change if, if what I see on my physical body does not change. That is, that is where faith lives right there when it's like, well, I haven't seen it change yet, but I'm not. It's like the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego story. I don't know if you remember that, but he said, we know our God can deliver us, and we know our God will. But even if he doesn't, it doesn't change what we believe. And so uh, I just encourage you just to continue to go after that uh, until we see the fulfillment of everything that God's promised us. I'm on like page four of my notes now. Uh, uh, if you got your Bibles, turn to Matt, uh, John chapter 17. John chapter 17. I need to slow down. Um, I'm going to pick up, this is probably the most unorthodox thing for someone to do, but I'm going to pick up a series I started last year uh, um, on prophecy and the supernatural. Prophecy and the supernatural, and I'll, and I'll, I'll kind of catch you guys up to speed on some of the things that, that we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago. We didn't have service, obviously, last week. week before that, I, I, I did this teaching, Prophecy and the Supernatural. You can go on our podcast online and listen to it and get caught up. Uh, it's an interesting thing. I, when I, I, I felt really strongly in uh, the timing of that message last week and even the timing of this message this week. Uh, I said some things that I knew would be controversial. I told a story of um, some controversial things that were going on in the body of Christ at large. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Renew Life Church is a part of the Bethel Leaders Network. Uh, several years ago, we discovered uh, what I consider our family. And we had had a s- series of people begin started coming to our church saying, 
you guys remind us a lot of Bethel. And I had heard some good things about Bethel, and I had also heard some other things. And so I wasn't sure if they were cutting me down or, like, building me up. I really wasn't sure. And so, uh, but it, it wasn't long, several years ago, we, we decided to go get there, get in that world, and just see what it was about for ourselves. And we just found what we believe is our family. And so we've been a part of the Bethel Leaders Network now for several several years and uh, one of their one of their leaders was going through a situation. Some of you may have heard. If you haven't, uh, uh, one of the worship leaders there, their two year old daughter Olive uh, died, and they be, and instead of accepting death as the result, they began to believe for her to be raised from the dead. And early on, when I got some of the reports, I just assumed falsely that well maybe she was just unconscious or in a coma or was at in the hospital on life support. Uh, I think that just showed where my faith was at the time, uh, unfortunately. But come to find out, no, she had completely, the doctors had pronounced her dead. uh, And she was at the morgue, and they were still believing for her to be raised from the dead. And uh, officials gave them six days. They said, look, we'll give you six days to believe for her to be raised from the dead. And, uh, and then we got to move on with an autopsy and move forward. And so they believed for six days. There was worship services, prayer services, all this going on. Uh, and she did not come back. Uh, they went ahead and did her memorial services uh, a couple of weeks ago, and or last week I think it was. And so anyway, very a very um, unique season, and we just chose to partner with them. Our even our staff, we one one afternoon we came up to the office and did a prayer and worship service with the staff, and we were just believing with them. And uh, last week I began to talk about some of those things because I believe with all of my heart. That God is calling us to something new. Cody, I love Cody's word this morning. I don't care, I don't care how cliche it is, but I, I believe God's calling us to something new and that this year is the beginning of something new. And uh, after, after I preached last week's message, uh, I was very strong. And I'll, I'll cover some of it here in just a second. But um, uh, we, there was some criticism, and I did get some criticism. And I'm typically not one to get on Facebook. And actually, I've never done it before. Got on Facebook and gone back and forth with someone. But... Uh, it's a new season, and so, um, and, and just to be clear, I, the, some of the resistance we got, I was actually very impressed with, with some of it, uh, because the, it was done, you have zealous people that don't believe everything that we believe, and I, I, I so appreciated the heart behind some of the criticism, I, believe it or not, I, I, pre, I told my wife, I'm really thankful for this guy's heart, he was 100% calling me a heretic, and I loved him for it, it's like, he, his heart was so zealous for what he believed, and even when things kind of got a little tentious, he, he began to private message me so as not to put too much of it on, uh, on public display, which I even appreciate that, that even more. But I told, I told our, our team earlier, um, I cannot, and this may sound crazy, but I cannot tell you how much I appreciated that because the last two weeks I have not gone a single day without thinking about some of the things that he came against. And every time I thought about something he came against, the word came up in me, and I'm more convinced today than I was two weeks ago of what I believe. And I just encourage you right now, when you're dealing with resistance, when you're dealing with someone coming against you, it should force you to get back into this place, back into this book, back into this word, to get to know this person you say you believe in. Paul said, I'm fully persuaded, not because I read a book one time, not because I heard a message one time. He said, I'm fully persuaded because I know in whom I believe. This book is how we know in whom we believe. No, not this iPad, but this book, the Bible. I'm pointing at my digital Bible. This is how we get to know this God in whom we believe. And I, and I, I appreciated the pushback. I appreciated uh, some of that because I'm, I'm telling you, it, just, it gave me courage to just continue. 
uh, to continue to move forward with some stuff. And we'll, we'll touch base on some of this. But I just want to begin with in John chapter 17. I, I read this this week. John chapter 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples. It's one of the last prayers he actually prayed on the earth. And um, it says, I've, in, in verse 6, John chapter 17, verse 6, it says, I have manifested or I have revealed your name to the men you have given me out of the world. He's talking about the 12 disciples. They were yours. You gave them to me. And, and this thing just, this phrase just pierced me. It says, they have kept your word. And they have kept your word. I cannot think of a better thing to have said of me by Jesus himself than for Jesus to take time to pray to our creator, to pray to the Father and said, hey, I want you to know something about these guys. They keep your word. They keep your word. John chapter 17, verse 17 says this, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. I was listening to Banning Leapshire one time, and I, he, he was he, talking about this scripture, and he said there's a difference in your word is true and your word is truth. Because all t- for something to be true, it must be measured against the truth. His word is not just true, it is the truth. Just like Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. In the beginning, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, the word was God, the word became flesh and dwelt among men. Can I just say this? It is so imperative, so, so imperative that as we move forward in some of the things that I believe God has for us, that you make the decision right now that no matter what, that this Bible, this word is truth. It's not just true, it is truth, which means if you want to live a true life, you have to measure everything in your life against the truth. The truth. And I, and, I, and I want to say this as well. There have been times where I have read this truth but didn't get it all the way right. <laughs> there have been times where I have preached messages thinking I was preaching the truth. I went back years ago and read some of my old notes from when I was a youth pastor, and I thought to myself, dear Lord, please forgive me for I knew not what I did. With all of my heart, I was preaching to these young people what I believed to be the truth because I had believed that the word of God was true. Now, my understanding of it wasn't complete, so I may have said some things that weren't 100%. But me saying something about the word not 100% does not mean that this word is not 100%. This word is 100%. And I'm, I'm so thankful that the Lord's not asking me to be 100%. He's asking me to live by faith and every day come boldly before the throne of grace and receive mercy when even my what I think is true doesn't line up with this truth but at the end of the day this Bible is the truth I want to be known for as someone who kept the truth I want to believe that this is the truth now with that being said I I don't do this very often but I I would encourage every single person in here uh, every pastor I've ever hired I've I've required them to listen to a uh, a series uh, a series of teachings by a guy uh, by a guy by the name of Keith Moore uh, out of um, um, my gosh he's into Florida and Branson Branson Missouri he's also got another church in Florida Sarasota Florida and in fact if you look on my favorites on my phone my bookmarks he's I have him bookmarked because I go to him and listen to him all the time but in 1999 you can go on his website morelife.org you can go on his website and in 1999 he preached a series on humility. And I require every single pastor 
uh, that I hire to go listen to that series. And I've, I myself have probably listened to that series. I'm not exaggerating. I'm going to make sure I don't exaggerate. Um, I'm going to say no less than 100 times. And it's, it's hours long. And I've listened to it no less than 100 times, uh, actually in the last 15 years since I've, uh, since I've found this. And, and here's why I'm sharing this now. If you're not a humble person, your truth becomes the truth. If you're not a humble person, your understanding of the truth becomes the truth. And that is very dangerous. I can call this word the truth, but every time I come to this word, I have to come with a humble heart and accept the fact that I might learn something that I didn't know before. Or even scarier yet, something that I have believed my whole life may not have been the truth. Can we deal with that? It is imperative to me that as as a leadership team, myself and as, as believers, we continue to grow in humility. Because if I don't grow in humility, inadvertently, my truth becomes the truth. And then I stop living by the truth and I start living by my truth. Because apparently the first time I read the truth, I knew it all. And somehow in my finite mind, in my few years on this earth, I have fully figured out the infinite God. And all of his scriptures. And all of his prophetic. and all of his, you, see, you see where I'm going with this? You have got to approach the scripture with humility. It is the truth. But I have got to be willing, to, when I read this, to go... I want to know the truth, and I don't want my, my truth getting in the way of the truth, and humility is a big part of that. Last week, this is, last week we read this, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. He calls his disciples to him. He gave them the authority to drive out impure spirits and heal not some and not most. Heal every disease and sickness. Skip to verse 5. It says these 12 Jesus sent out, and we, and we talked a lot about this. Jesus sent these guys out with the following suggestions. No. He sent them out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come. Here are some instructions. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. I can honestly say much of what he commanded them to do I have never seen done before. Anybody else would say, I've actually never seen some of that. I've actually never seen a demon driven out. Anybody? So what about raise the dead? Anybody ever seen somebody raise the dead? I I have not. I, I, I have not seen some of those things. But you know what's crazy is the fact that I haven't seen it, it didn't erase it from that verse. Isn't that crazy? 
I feel sarcastic, Braden, for 2020. Can we just accept that right now? Sarcastic 2020. Um, It's interesting because if you go back and read Matthew chapter 10, I I didn't read just for the sake of time. I didn't read verses 2 through 4. But this is Matthew, the tax collector Matthew, who was one of the apostles. And so it's funny. He says Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease. And then he lists. And he says, here's who, those, here's who he was talking to. And Matthew, the disciple, lists himself in this. He's like, and it's almost like he's saying, just in case anybody was wondering where I'm getting my information, I was there. I, I was there. So I, I, I know what I'm talking about here. And he goes on in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Now, this is something that in culture has been widely accepted, not just in charismatic circles, but in almost every Christian circle. This scripture has been accepted as the Great Commission. This is the great assignment, the great instruction to all Christians. And we've read this. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and it didn't stop there, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now, who's speaking here? Jesus. Who, he's, who is he speaking to? The, the disciples. So he's telling the disciples, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to every nation. Do you know what the word every in the Greek means? Every. He says, I want you to go to all the nations, go to every nations, every nation, preaching this message, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything, you 12 disciples. I want you to tell them, and you have them, you give them the same instructions that I have given you. What I love about this is, is this, ver- this, this passage of Scripture is in Matthew 28. And what we previously read was in Matthew 10. Same person, same point of reference, same person who earlier said, let me tell you what Jesus instructed us to do. I was there. Here's what he instructed the 12 to do. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. And then after I got those instructions, believe it or not, he told me to go tell everybody we all have the same instructions. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. Freely you have received, freely you have given. I'm saying this because inside this great commission, we we have fallen so short of our assignment because we have stopped short, we have stopped at the simplest form of the great commission, which is go and tell them about Jesus. And we, we, have, we have whittled this thing down to something we can wrap our minds around, something we can hold on to. And just because some of the things he commanded the disciples to do, we've never seen. We said, you know, I don't know about that stuff, but you need to know Jesus. You, you need to know Jesus. Now, can I just say, I want everyone to know Jesus. I want everyone to meet Jesus. But apparently Jesus saw fit that here's how you go into all nations and make disciples out of all nations. And some would say, Man, that's, that's, that's impossible. We all know that you can't go to all the nations, and we all know that not everyone's going to receive Jesus. The, the Bible's clear that some will choose not to receive him. 
But I propose to you that our success rate is much lower than it should be because we just stopped at introducing people to this concept that if you'll pray a prayer, you can go to heaven someday instead of hell. The end. You, you can go to heaven some, someday if you'll, just conf- if you'll repeat this prayer after me. I'm going to tell you, I, 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 trust me, I know how to do this. I've watched my pastor do it a thousand times. If you would, just close your eyes and bow your head. And pray this prayer, and you'll go to heaven. That is a phenomenal thing. That's a phenomenal peace to have. But when Jesus, in the first mention of the Great Commission in the New Testament, Matt, Matthew's the first chapter in the book, and the first mention of the Great Commission was not just go preach Jesus. It was to make disciples of everyone. The first mention was not just don't, don't make believers, make followers. Well, what was so cool about that is when Matthew pointed out, well, I know exactly what followers were told. I is one. I am one. I know what he told us to do. And I know it didn't just stop with do you want to go to heaven or do you want to go to hell. Matthew knew that the Great Commission was to go into all the world and not just get people to heaven, but go into all the world and get heaven to people. Get heaven to people. Scripture teaches that signs, wonders, and miracles are for who? Unbelievers. Unbelievers. There is a call to every single person in this room, if you choose to accept this mission, to be a disciple, to do everything that the disciples, the apostles, were instructed to do as well. We have been called to a supernatural lifestyle. That is our calling, to live a supernatural lifestyle. Jesus, when he was getting ready to leave, this is also in the book of John as well. We started in John, but, and I don't have these scriptures, but I just, I'll <clears> put <throat> uh, the screen. But in, in the book of John, Jesus is, you know, he's making, he had his last prayer to the disciples. But if you read right there before John 17, he's, he's talking to the disciples about lots of things. One of the things he talks to them about is this concept of when I go, he actually tells them it's actually better for me to go. Because if I don't go, the Father won't send the Comforter. He won't send the Holy Spirit. And, of course, they don't really, they've heard of him. He's, he, he told them, You've, we, you, we've talked about this. But when I, when I leave and I go to the Father, he's going to send the comforter. And he's, he's with us now, but he will be. Cody led us in a prayer earlier in this. He said he's with us now. He's working with us now, but he will be in you. He will be in you. And he, he prophesies this lifestyle where a disciple no longer goes and sits at the feet of natural Jesus to get their instructions, but a disciple listens to inward Jesus via the testimony of the Holy Spirit. So this, this, this New, New Testament disciple is no longer this one that gets instructions from something that they can see, no, no longer gets its things from something it can see, but all of a sudden the laws or the things that you're supposed to do are now written on tablets of flesh in your heart and now my marching orders come from the inside out via this 
Holy Spirit who you cannot see, who you cannot touch. Can somebody say supernatural? (laughs) He literally tells the disciples, for the rest of your life, you're going to have to learn to live supernatural. I came in the natural. The Bible prophesied. First the natural came, then the supernatural. So first, first Jesus came in the natural. Second Jesus, the ministry of Jesus came in the version of the Holy Spirit, the spiritual or the supernatural. Romans chapter 8 verse 12 says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, if you live by this supernatural leading, if you live a supernatural lifestyle, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, also known as led by something supernatural. Do you see that this is the way every single believer is supposed to live their lives? Led by something supernatural. Led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. Notice lowercase s and uppercase s. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If children, then heirs, heirs of God of God and join heirs with Christ if we indeed suffer with him that we may also be glorified together I don't I mean my time's out I have way more I haven't even really gotten to prophecy but I'll, I'll go this far and just I'll finish this next week well I'll continue this next week um kept reading 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 4. It says, these are the diversities of gifts, the same spirit. There are difference of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of action, activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. This is what's known as the gifts of the spirit. This supernatural spiritual being came with gifts. He came with things that he wants us to open. How rude would it be if someone showed up to your house for Christmas and gave you a gift and you never opened it? Turn to your neighbor and say, how rude. It says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one, also known as every one, for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge, the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, but to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit one and the same supernatural spirit that is supernaturally on the inside of us, supernaturally leading us to live a supernatural lifestyle, works all these things together, distributing to each one individually as he wills. I'm not one typically, like like I said, Cody kind of cracked a joke about 20, 20-year 20 perfect vision. Uh, if that's your word, great. Don't let don't let me and sarcastic Braden talk you out of it. Um, but... Um, I just, I could not get over, uh, I, I told this to Leanne several weeks ago, I said, I, I cannot, I just cannot get over this idea that in 2020, we're supposed to go 
Go hard into prophecy. Go heavy into prophecy. And really talk to the church about prophecy. Teach about prophecy. In our personal lives, live stronger in alignment with prophecy. Uh, I, I've shared this with several people lately. I, I don't think people probably realize how much of my life is determined by prophecy and, and dictated by p- prophecy, prophetic people, prophetic dreams. Leanne has incredible, ac- incredibly accurate dreams uh, on a regular basis. And for years now, she's got a journal of years of dreams that she wakes up in the morning and she writes them down very clearly. Uh, we've learned over the years how to how to get better at stewarding those things. We write them down, write them down in as much detail as you can. Right now, the emotion you felt when you had that in that in the dream when if you were sad right now I was sad when this happened if you were happy because all of these things are, are, are we have learned uh, play a big part in in our lives and and also just the simple fact we actually believe God's still talking we believe he's still talking and that he wants to talk to us and he's showing us these things and so because we believe that we've begun to steward that even even more but I told Leanis I just I feel more than ever that we're supposed to um, really lean into this in 2020. And I said, I'm not really one that has like a typical, like this is a word for the Lord for 2020. But I just, I said, you know, that scripture says, believe the prophets, so shall you prosper. Believe the prophets, so shall you prosper. I knew the verse or I knew what it had said, but I didn't know where it was. So a couple of weeks ago when I was writing all my notes down, I, I just Googled, believe the prophets, so shall you prosper. Uh, what do you know? It's 2 Chronicles 2020. So they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me. Hear me. Lord, that we would be a people that just want to hear you. want to hear you. Hear me, O Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you will prosper. I just, I didn't mean to get all kind of shook about that, but it is something that is strong on my heart that we undo any wrong belief in this area about what prophecy is is it real who can do it should we even should we I mean if there's false prophets out there shouldn't we be careful guess what if there's false prophets the Bible talks so much about false prophets it probably means there's real ones (laughs) probably means there's real ones and I, I, I the Lord just revealed this to me this morning he said do you realize that the whole concept of prophecy, the, the crux of Christianity, Christianity is prophetic. You know why people get saved? Because they want to know that in the future, they're going to heaven. They want peace about their future. You know what prophecy does? It brings you peace about your future. He wants you to know what he's saying he wants you to know where he's going. The Bible tells us that God doesn't tell servants. The masters don't tell servants what they're doing, but they'll tell a friend. They'll tell a son. He wants us to know what he's doing. I would go so far as to guess that every single one of us in here, right now in this, 
in this very moment, we have some degree of fear about something in the future. Raise your hand if you would say, yeah, you're probably right. I have some degree of fear for something in the future. What if you got so in tune, in tune with God that he was speaking to you so clearly that you knew in every situation in your life what the future held for you and what peace you could bring to somebody else who's riddled with fear about their future because they got a diagnosis of cancer. And the world says that in the future, if you have cancer in the future, you die. But what if prophetically you could declare, according to the word, in the future, you live? What if you had that? I'll I'll wrap up here. Two words, establish and prosper. I believe this. If if there's anything you take from this, please remember this 2 Chronicles 2020. I want 2020 in 2020. I want established and I will prosper. I want to hear God. I want to believe God. He's establishing some things in me. And we'll, like I said, we'll pick up with this whole prophetic thing next week. But I want to be one by the end of next year where I can say, I believe the prophets. I believed even past tense the prophets. And I can show you my prosperity because I believe the prophets. Jesus himself came not to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. Jesus believed in the prophets. So should we. Amen. We hope you loved our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great rest of your day.